and welcome to another edition of the War Room here on KOKC. I'm your host Sean Fry. We're joined by somebody from the Osher County a little bit uh, today. My guest is Chanute High School girls basketball coach Dustin Fox. You're also a teacher there, uh, Coach Fox. So tell me what you teach. I know you. I know you do a little bit of journalism and newspaper instruction over there. What's the what other do you, what else do you do? Yeah, I, I can kind of do a little bit of everything. I teach some English. Uh, I teach a leadership class. I'm the journalism advisor. Um, so pretty much whatever they need me to do, I, I'm doing it over there. And I'll tell you what, though, that, that third grade second second place handwriting award, that's to me, that's got to be at the top of the list of your resume at this point. You know, I, I, I definitely, uh, definitely feel like I, I got job. Uh, is she still a teacher there? She, she is not, she's not, but... Uh, what a wonderful lady she was. So the, to, to listeners, the backstory on that is one time you and I were catching up. I It, it was at a Chanute game. It was either Parsons or Lubbock County was there. I think it was Parsons was there one night. So I'm at Chanute High School and I'm catching up with you. And one thing I've always liked about you is your handwriting is is literally better than some what some computers can type on on a scorebook, which makes it really easy for me to read when I'm banging out a recap at the end of the night and just trying to read stats as quickly as I can. And so I asked him, like, you know, how did it get that good? And he, he coach, you told me the story of how, you know, like in third grade, even your handwriting was that good. And, but the teacher gave an award for, for the best handwriting to some kid who had, th- who she thought had improved a lot in it and put a lot of effort into it. And your response to me was, I didn't know the award was for most improved or who worked the hardest. The, I thought the award was for who the best handwriting, what the best handwriting was. Yeah, I, I might have had a, had a competitiveness problem even even way back then. But yeah, we had monthly awards for handwriting, and uh, every other month, me and my cousin kind of went back and forth. We had a little that was your going. cousin? No, you no, okay. no. And then and then out of the blue, one month, uh, she she gave it to this other kid whose handwriting was not anywhere close to ours. And I, I did not handle it. Probably in the most uh, effective way. Where that kid who won it? Where is he today? He or she today? You know, that's a great question, Dan Brooks. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you're at, but I I hope you're doing well. <laughs> He's probably like a doctor or something, some profession that's known for its atrocious handwriting at this yeah. point. Mine is terrible, by the way. And my, I mean, my parents hated that my penmanship was so bad. All my teachers hated. It. I can never fix it though. I don't hold. Like pens or pencils correctly. Weird as a writer for me to say that, but I I, I never hold it correctly. Uh, let's talk. A, let's talk a little basketball. Uh, one thing that that piqued my interest was you took a group of little kids uh, to what was the Sunflower State game, something like that. Tell me about that, Trey. That was only about a week ago. Yeah. Um. So we started a thing about five years ago. Me and the uh, former boys coach Max Ruart called Comets Academy. Yeah. And, and this group of kids that I, I just took to that, they were our first group that had started as kindergartners mm-hmm. in it. And so we did some skills clinics with them. And uh, when it came time for them to start playing basketball, I, I told my wife, I was like, I think, I, I think I'm going to coach them. Um, I, you know, I don't have a kid or anything like that, but um, just kind of fell in love with, with uh, their work ethic and their attitudes. And so I've uh, had them the last two years. And um, we decided this summer to go go play in the Sunflower State games, just kind of see what it was about. And yeah, they they stepped up and they ended up winning the thing. So um, how old were how old were they? They're going into fifth grade. Going into fifth grade, and you've got a and you've got a group that of young young kids like that that just love basketball. 
Comets Academy, what a great idea. First off, Max Weber, great coach. He was he was a he was a giant killer, I'll tell you that. He's he beats Bishop Yeager and he says, All right, <laughs> sounds like a career, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, you know, that what a great idea and that that has to build confidence in any time you have the future of your program wondering, okay, who do we have coming up? That's got to build confidence on both sides of that, on both sides of boys and girls basketball. Yeah, hopefully that'll pay off for us down the line. I mean, that, that's kind of the idea is that um, you know if we can invest in those kids at an early age, get them to love basketball is the main <laughs> thing. Um, even beyond the skill part of it, just get them to love the game. Um, and then hopefully it's something that they stick with and, you know, we'll, we'll reap the benefits as high school coaches down the yeah. line. Uh, what's been the community response? So when you first started Commons Academy about how many kids did you have out there? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's been solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we kind of work with the, the rec. So the rec kind of does their, uh, skill stuff in the, in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do our skill stuff in the winter. That way, those kids that want to do basketball, for a long period of time, kindergarten through second grade, have that opportunity. Um, you know, we're probably 40, 50 kids, you know. And That's not years. bad. And so, you know, it's it, every little bit helps. And, you know, just introduce them to the game, get them, get mm-hmm. them kind of uh, familiar with some of the fundamentals. And, you know, hopefully in the long run it pays off. There was one thing that you tweeted. So you tweeted out a photo of, of your team, that of your team of rising fifth graders that had won that tournament. And you said something that was, man, you're a man after my heart, coach. You said, you can play man and be successful at this age. Thank you, Lord. You you play man to man. It's probably easier because I am a high school coach and like understanding that winning at third and fourth grade isn't the end of the the world. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Um, And so, but we we didn't see a single team that played us man to man the entire weekend. And that, that's terrible to it, me. Like, it's one thing if you have like, if you mix in some stuff, I'll admit I am a, I am an extremist. I mean, jihadist when it comes to that, I do not want, I will, I, I am a believer of 38, 32 minutes. Let's go man to man. Yeah. And I, and I think especially at that age and, mm-hmm. and not just for your kids, because I, I think it's beneficial for for your players to play man and learn how to do that. Um, but just for the development of all the kids, you know, when, yeah. when a team's sitting in a two, three zone and nobody's moving, um, yeah, zones are really effective when kids can't shoot from far out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, I, I get it. Yeah. If you want to just win, that's that's a great idea. But it's it's just not very good for exactly. the development of players. But all of a sudden, you're gonna those kids are gonna get to a certain age, and it's around middle to high school. And all of a sudden, you're gonna start kids that can actually shoot the ball from outside, and you're gonna get torched and have no idea how to defend it. And to me, even the best zone is run through man concepts. You have to know how to defend a person to play zone, and to understand how to play zone, you got to know and. To understand you got how you got to play man, you got to understand. Okay, where's the ball screen coming at? What when do we switch? When you know how do I get around this screen? Do I hard hedge? Do I soft hedge? Do I ice it? Got to know what to do given where the ball's at, who has it, and you know, obviously, you know, icing a ball screen at fifth grade—that's a little advanced, I'm sure. But it, it's it's <laughs> probably a little advanced. But man, uh, I'll tell you what, these kids—anything I've thrown at them, they have picked it up so quickly. It's crazy. Um, it made me think that maybe I should have been, uh, you know, helping out with these younger kids early <laughs> on because it's just like whatever we show them, they they start picking it up. And so 
Um, special group of kids. Hopefully, we'll have some success with them later on. So, you know, be, be looking for that that group down the line. The reason I'm an extremist on the man versus zone thing is uh, so I, w- I was a manager for Kansas State men's basketball. And uh, so I worked under Coach Bruce Weber for two years. And one thing he said was, zone is for cowards. <laughs> and so that was, that stuck with me because it was funny at the time. But the more I thought about it, I was like, he's kind of right. And to me, zone, fifth grade, come on. Yeah, I, like, I, I agree. And then once you get up into high school, I mean, I, I think you got to you gotta play with your personnel. We can't recruit like Bruce yeah, can and, exactly. you know, get the athletes in there to play the man. <laughs> but um, sometimes sometimes you got to play some zone. But um, I, I know that the kids who understand man concepts, like you said, um, are infinitely better at running that zone yeah. uh, than they are otherwise. Because, and an- another thing, too, really about, defense in general and development in general is there will be there are kids out there who love basketball who are athletic and therefore probably have the capacity to be really good defenders they may just not be able to shoot the ball well or dribble well and if you stick that kid in a zone all through their development they're going to lose love for the game quick but there are kids there are kids out there who genuinely love defense. A great example of that, and you experienced it, was Grayson Freeze out of Parsons. Uh, you know, Kurt Freeze's daughter. Uh, you know, she was not a good offensive player for Parsons at all. But that year that Nina Taylor was a senior, I bet you the second best defender behind Nina Taylor was Grayson Freeze. And she found a way to do that. And I'm sure that's because wherever she came up coming through basketball, someone you know, saw that she was an athletic and put her in a good position to do it. You'll have a kid who loves to play defense. And you and to me, you run zone that early, you might take that away. Yeah. I, I think of that Vasquez girl from uh, Piper. Yes. Uh, that girl, when we played them in the sub-state championship game a few years ago, she was probably considered their fourth or fifth best player. Mm-hmm. But she dominated that game without scoring. Yeah, um, just what she did defensively um, with her pressure, and um, you know, you get a kid like that who you know can really excel at something like that. And you think about man, if she was brought up and just playing zone. What a waste! Well, I mean, and there are there are people who change the. I mean, hell, if Patrick Beverly in the NBA, he can't. He's not a great offensive player, but he he's a starting point guard in the NBA because he could defend. He wants to wield katanas out there on the floor instead of instead of uh, actually have her hold the basketball in his hand. But you know that's a and, and to me you all when you get when it gets to the high school to me the two best teams in the area in the SEK league since I've been here are Chanu and our Labet County and traditionally those have been the two toughest defensive teams uh, on the girls side and you know the only other team that was to me that's ever really threatened looking good defensively like that are the two teams that have threatened for league titles in that run, and that is Pittsburgh and then Parsons that one year. That one year, Parsons ran good defense with Nina, but, I mean, I'm rambling a little bit. I'm sure you can expand more about how you how you preach defense by the time those girls get to Chanute High School. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing we preach is just competing, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's what has set Labette County apart, honestly, um, over the years. Those kids, game after game after game, and it's so hard to do in high school especially, but they bring it. And that's the reason they're successful is that consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where the level we're trying to get to with our girls. Um, it, it's been a process. 
Um, I, I remember when I, I first started, um, Chanute hadn't been to state since 1991, hadn't won a league title since 1995. And, you know, we went into our first game against Lebec County and I hearing the girls talk, like we were beat before we ever even stepped on the floor. They didn't believe mm-hmm. they could beat them. Um, and just getting them to understand, Hey, we're going to go compete and whatever the results are, the results are, um, just kind of set that aside. Um, that's been probably the biggest change that we've had to kind of put forth in our program. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, we got to go to a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll, I want to talk a bit about this Chanute uh, Labette County rivalry a little bit. It's been a fun one for me to watch in the seven years that I've been here, and I'm sure it'll continue to be fun. Uh, you want to stick with us? Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back here on the War Room. Uh, don't go anywhere here on KOKC. And we're back here on the War Room. Chanute High School girls basketball head coach Dustin Fox. Here in studio, uh, Coach Fox, we were just talking about uh, how really when your first your first year there, uh, what was your first year that you took over Chanute Girls? Man, that was back in 2011, 2012. You know, th- we talk now, and that is a, I, that was what, nine, eight, eight, nine years ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. I was in college back then. <laughs> I was only in my second year of college, but man, it just doesn't seem like it's been that long but anyway you, you talk about you inherited a program and you said the program and the SEK league that instilled kind of this this fear was Labette County well to me Chanute and Le- since I got here in the fall of 2014 the two girls basketball programs that I have loved to see compete the most against each other have been Chanute and Labette County why do you feel like that has been just such a rivalry that's grown over this last you know just shy of a decade yeah I mean um, one, I don't know if, how much of a rivalry it is because we, we haven't won very many. Um, Labette has, has gotten the better of us in a, in a lot of close games. Um, but I, it I seems think, like every game is close. And, and I, I, would, I think that's the, the cool thing about it is I do think that our two teams bring out the best in one another. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the best games we've ever played has been against Labette County. Um, I hope Coach Snyder can say the same thing, that you know her kids mm-hmm. have, have risen uh, when they played us. and um, It's just two teams that really go out and compete. Mm-hmm. And I think when you when you have that, um, you know, basketball's fun, yeah. and the and the atmosphere becomes a lot of fun, and and the kids just kind of raise their games, and so, um, yeah, I mean, but golly, they're they're so good, um, and and they're so consistent, and they're what we want to be, and that, that's the honest truth. They're what we want to be, and that's what we're working to be. And they're one thing that we've talked about is they're a very good team defensively. To me, they're everything about Labette County girls under Christy Snyder starts on the defensive end of the floor. And one iteration of that defense is her depth. She just keeps throwing bodies at you the whole game. And let's say you have, let's say you're only going one or two deep on your bench, and you're probably not even doing that when you get to the fourth quarter unless you have to because of foul trouble. Well, that's tough when, you know, body number nine's coming out. To the, it hasn't played in 10 minutes. It is, you know, that's tough to deal with. Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you, and this is a more introspective question. It's going to seem harsh, but, and I'm genuinely not just trying to rub in the fact that you've lost a lot of close games that had a lot of meaning. But, you know, I think back to a sub-state championship game, I want to say 2015, maybe 2016. It was at Coffeyville. Uh, but you were playing Labette County. It was a really close game the whole way. And I, one thing that I remember is, you know, Clancy Sorrell got the ball way high above the top of the key. And you said, and I think you were, I think you were maybe down one or something. I think you were down one. And there was like 40 seconds left. And you said Fowler. And it was one and one for Labette County. I remember sitting at the scores table thinking, that's a great call. 
by this new head coach. And she sank both free throws, even though she was maybe a 50-60% shooter on a good day. Hits both. Uh, this year's Substate Championship game, you get a lights-out performance from Corey Babcock, who was just doing every. It seemed like she was doing everything she could. And that game was was close for the most part, but I, I think Lebec County what pulled away a little bit at the end. Uh, I, I go back to a there was a I think it was the same regular season game. You hit six seven threes in the first quarter, and you're still down. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, and I, I sit there and I wonder like he seems like he's doing everything right, and things are even going right for him, and they're still falling a little short. And it's, this isn't a question about how you deal with that because it's Lebec County, but it's a question of how do you address that both internally with yourself and with your team when you sit there and say, I, yeah. I don't have anything to tell you that you did wrong. It just wasn't good enough. Our our, our biggest thing is control what you can control. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to go out and play our hardest. Um, we're going to go out and try to execute um, the best mm-hmm. we can. And if we do that and we come up short um, – it sucks. It hurts, but you know you live with the result. Um, you know, I, I think back to some of the substate championship games, and um, I, I don't know. So I think we did anything wrong. But yeah. you know, when when Tristan Gaggs out there hitting shots from the you know, <laughs> from logo, the volleyball spike yeah, line, you know, it's just like, and, and you have a hand in her face, and you're like, tip your tip your cap to her. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, what what are you gonna do? I mean, um, and so we've we've tried to be as prepared as possible. Um, we try to come compete the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, the breaks haven't gone our way um, on a lot of those games. And you just hope that over the long run, that maybe maybe some of those breaks that went against us, maybe down the road, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, the ball will kind of go our way next time. I think a consistent scout you've had on Lebec County that I've seen you execute a few times. Now, granted, the last few times I've seen you execute it, it was you had some really good shooters, particularly in Coy Babcock. But... When I've seen you play Lebec County, you've really, re- you know, borderline lived or died by the three. Why do you feel like that was the good scout going in? And by the way, that that's being disparaging to say it's live or die by the three. If you have a good shooting team that can expose a weakness you see in the other team that doesn't like to maybe guard the three, shoot the ball. Yeah, um, I, I well, this past year especially, we're mm-hmm. just tiny compared to them. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's the biggest thing. You, you go inside, yeah. and and they got those those towers. They got Anna Dean and Maddie Brandon, yeah. and they're just there's and, just no there's yeah. no landing space. Yeah, exactly, and so um, and then they're physical on top of that, and so um, there just isn't a lot inside for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know we we've seen that you know Corey brings so much attention that when she was able to to get into the inside the arc. Mm-hmm. You know, things kind of tightened up and, you know, she's she's such a good player that she's going to see who's open and um, she'd kick it out and we had kids that were open and we, we've taught them that, you know, if you're open and in rhythm, in range, you know, it goes up and, and we'll we'll live with the result. How do you, uh, you know, is that always a focus of your program that you want to have three, four shooters that you can really rely on from the perimeter? Uh, absolutely that'd be great i don't know that we've had that <laughs> um it, it'd be nice to have have one that you can really rely on maybe a second mm-hmm. that that can shoot it honestly in high school um but yeah the more shooters that we can put out there um you know i think that fits well with what we want to do um we we try to try to race in space is what we call it you know we want to we want to play fast and, and get layups when they're there mm-hmm. and uh, if we get into the half court we want to space teams out um, and either you know create driving lanes for ourselves or drive, and then if the defense collapses, kick out and um, you know shoot open shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you guys might look like this winter. 
I know you, you you graduated three seniors, including Corey Babcock, who she had to have passed a thousand career points. Yeah, she did. Um, real quick on Corey, um, because I, I going don't know to Neosho County by the going way. Going to Neosho County, I, I don't know if a lot of people knew this about her. Um, very first game of the year, um, she actually tore ligaments in her shooting shoulder and partially tore a rotator cuff um and ended up playing the entire year with it um we didn't know it was that bad we, we were told it was strained and she was kind of doing some rehab type stuff with it throughout the year mm-hmm. um it hadn't gotten better after the year so she went and saw a specialist and found out all that stuff was oh my goodness had surgery um but you know a kid who averaged 17 a game this year with that injury <laughs> where like lifting her arm above her head hurt um, so just what, it, <laughs> Which what, is what it, shooting the ball is. exactly. Yeah. And so um, she didn't shoot the ball like she was capable of this year. Didn't shoot the ball anywhere close to how she wanted to. Um, but just really proud of her for the work that she had put in to become a scorer beyond just a mm-hmm. shooter. And what a tough kid, you know, find a way to be successful. In the, in the games I saw her play, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you would have, you fooled me. She looked like a capable shooter. And I mean, the sub state championship, she was she was hitting shots off the dribble, off a screen, you know, just step, you know, just sidestepping a, a ball screen and hitting it as the person's trying to fight over the screen. That's it's tough to hit a three in high school basketball as someone is fighting over the top of a screen. You don't see that that much. Usually, the 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 instruction is, oh, oh, they went over it, drive in. But I mean, one thing that always stood out to me, and I don't know what she said, but as you guys, you know. We didn't have, you know, post-game handshakes or whatever, but you guys had to cross Lebec County's bench to get to your locker room anyway. Chrissy Snyder pulled Corey aside and talked to her for about 20 seconds and said something. I never never heard what it was, but, I, I mean, that was the only player she pulled aside uh, of a team that has done nothing but give her problems for, for the last— for yeah. the twilight of her career. I, I think that's one of the things that makes Coach Snyder so special is is that respect she has for competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I've i tried to give back to that. You know, I, I know I've written notes to a couple of, you know, uh, kids from that program just because, um, you know, even though even though Tristan Gig has ripped my heart out multiple times and I should, <laughs> I should, I should hold all sorts of animosity towards her. Um, you know, I, you can't help but have respect for kids like that. You know, mm-hmm. kids that, that put in the work, put in the time um, and, you know, just just go compete. And, and I, I've said that word a lot, but I, I think that that's really at the heart of what makes um, so many of these kids successful. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think Coach Snyder, that's something she preaches in her program. And I think maybe she saw some of that in Corey. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's pretty cool. One thing, you know, before we go to another break or another break here, uh, you guys have been at war for so long. Uh, what is what do you feel like the next step is for your program to get to where a program like Lebec County is at? And because to me, there's not much separation. And to me, there's you guys are the, have been the two at least the most consistently over the last seven years. Pittsburgh has had some good seasons in that mix, by the way, uh, but. Uh, what what brings you to the step of we're always going to be picked first, and we're you know because to me right now it's like you guys are always pick second, yeah. and that's it's it's hard to get to where you're at. And I, to me, I don't see you guys doing anything wrong, but how do you get to where they're at? I need Coach Snyder to retire. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know I, it, it's it's just part of that process, and I Labette has such a great tradition. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have kids who want to be there, want to be a part of that program. I mean, you have kids coming from out of district that want to be a part of Labette County's program and, <laughs> and not because they're recruiting, right. But because they don't need to, their success recruits yeah. people to them. I mean, they, they have a girl who can ball, you know, from Erie going, going to, going to Labette, you know, and, and, uh, it's not because coach Snyder recruited her, you know, mm-hmm. it's because they, they want to be a part of that successful program. And so I live in 503 district. If I had a, if I was married, which, so we're already in fantasy land at this point. Um, if I was married and had a kid and had a daughter who was, who ended up being any good at basketball, go right on over there to 506. We're not even thinking about sending you to, to Parsons right now. And that's no offense to any of the coaching staff that have been there, because guess what? I'm going to send my daughter to a little bit County high school. And one, I know she's going to play. And two, I know she's going to learn to defend. And three, I know she's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's part of it is like they've had that sustained success. And so, um, one, people want to be a part of that. And two, the kids who are already there are part of it. They see what those other kids have done to have that success. And so they just mirror that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, you know, it's kind of a process. It's something we're trying to build in Chanute where, hey, you, you've got to you got to put in that work. And then once you see these other groups have success, then maybe the groups behind them will start mm-hmm. kind of mirroring that. Um, it's not, it's not quick. Um, we're trying to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I, I'm really big on is I, I want to make sure kids in our program know we value them more as human beings than we do as basketball players. And there's probably times where we could, you know, just, if we're just looking at it from a basketball perspective, you know, do different things that would get results, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're, we're trying to, trying to build kids up as human beings too. That's one of the things I take the most pride in in our program. And, um, you know, hopefully over time, you know, we're going to become that program and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not quick, it's not fast. Um, but hopefully once we get there, it'll be sustained. Good deal. Well, coach Fox, uh, thank you for coming on. We're going to end the on air portion of this. Uh, if you want to listen to more of Dustin Fox and mine's conversation here on the war room, uh, head online to, uh, uh, the KLKC website or go get, get this, uh, show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, coach Fox, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll be right back here uh, with more War Room here on KLKC. Don't go anywhere. We're back here on the War Room online exclusive edition here on KLKC. I'm your host, Sean Fry, joined by Dustin Fox, high school girls basketball coach. Uh, Dustin, we've been talking about the growth of your program. And one thing that you said was, you know, you, you coordinate with the rec and, and you're really focused on the youth development. How much of, you know, we went deep into that. What's been maybe the parent response to that, to those efforts, though, how how has that maybe improve or at least grow your relationship with parents? Because I know parents and grandparents, they can be some pretty strong forces in both our fields. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is trying to get parents to understand our mission from a from an early age um, about what we're about. Um, you know, our core values. We we use the idea of shape um, in our basketball program. We kind of carried that over to Comets Academy. Um, we spell shape a little weird. S C H A P E. Mm-hmm. And so we got spirit, communication, hustle, approach, precision, and enhancement. And um, we stole that from PGC basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with just blatantly stealing oh, something if yeah, it works. Well, yeah, it's it's too good not to not to use. And so um, we we try to instill some of those those core values in those kids from an early age, but also with the parents and and getting them to understand um, what we're about and start to develop those relationships, like you said. Um, and so far, everything's been been really positive. Um, you know, it's not perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the, we, we have our missteps in our program and stuff like that, but you know, I, I think what we're doing is better than what was happening before. And so hopefully it'll pay off. 
uh, I feel like it has paid off. You've won two league titles. You've been to state once since you took over. Thank you for holding that finger up. I knew it was at least one. I was really thinking it wasn't more than that. But, you know, you look at some of the seasons that you've had, and how do you kind of reflect on the success that you've been able to have? I know we talked about how you want to get your program to that next level, to a Labette County-style level, but you've brought this that program very far. How do you kind of look back and reflect on that? Well, I'm first, uh, proud of, of the su- success we've had on the court, mm-hmm. um, just because we have come a long way. I mean, um, Chanute basketball uh, on the girls' side was definitely an afterthought when I was in high school, um, and it was kind of just kind of a middling program, I think, for, for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be in contention for league titles, for us to be in contention to go to state, um, I think that's a big step. Um, it's, like you said, it's not where we want, ultimately want to be, but um, we're, we're working in the right direction. And then the other, other thing, though, is I'm most proud of the types of kids that we're producing. Mm-hmm. You know, kids who are going off and making a positive difference in the world. Um, you, you look at Anna Bagshaw's class. You know, Anna's... Um, She's working as a as a nurse. Um, Sierra Thompson's working as a as a grade school teacher. Paige Kidwell's working in social work. Maddie Rollins is as a nurse. Those are kids that are all went into professions where they're what a they're class give, by the way where they're all giving back. You know, yeah. and that that's what I'm so proud of is that we have kids who um, not just excelling on the basketball court, but they're excelling as human beings, and um, you know, take a lot of pride in that. Who I feel like we're missing a name on there of someone who was in that class. Yeah, Jordan Schoenberger. Jordan um, Schoenberger. Yeah, she just uh, she finished a uh, four year career playing basketball. Went to Independence for two years and went to Missouri Southern. Yeah, um, and then she finished up her masters and um, <laughs> has a masters degree. Yeah. I hope people understand how rare that really is to go get a masters. Yeah, you know, one thing I'll tell you what you know I don't I don't play favorites but pop quiz. And I'll give you the answer. Paige Kudel might have been my favorite coming out of that class. One, because she came to Labette and played, so I got to know her a little bit. Always a kind-hearted soul, by the way. She was nice from the get-go and always a hard worker. She turned into a starter for that Labette program that won 25 games and became nationally ranked. She was part of that kind of revolution that Mitch Rolls had over there. What a lot of people don't know about Mitch Rolls and that Labette women's basketball program is his first year there, he took the job about two weeks before the school year started. He only had four players on roster, so he had to take whoever he can get. I remember one player he took was uh, Taylor Albertson out of Labette County High School. She didn't even start for Christie, and she started for Mitch. And she and they only won two games his first year. Well, then he brings in a recruiting class that includes Paige Kidwell and immediately wins 25 his very next year. And she was the starting five on that team. She was a good player. Yeah, so great story about Paige, and she's probably going to be upset with me for telling you this. But, oh, th- those uh, are the type of stories we, that, so, that keep the war room alive. When, when Paige first came into our program, she had a nickname. Um, we called her Pissy Paige because <laughs> she just had a crap attitude a lot of the times. And was just, you know, you just never, you know, you never knew. And, like, you could tell when she was having a bad day, everyone knew it. And, um, you know, by her senior year, she was probably the most positive kid we've ever had in our program. Oh, yeah. And um, just to see that transformation, that growth, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things I'm really proud of with, with our program, but just so proud of her and seeing the difference she's making in the world. Oh, yeah. Awesome kid. And she's always very loyal, too. As busy as she is in her life, I've seen her at Chanute games since she's graduated, and, I, and she pokes her head into Labette games every now and then, too. She has pride in where she came from. And, yeah. you know, I'll tell you, 
I'll take the results of my kid going through a Dustin Fox and Mitch Rolls program any day. If you tell me I got to kind of turn them through that, I'm sure they're going to spit out the other end being just fine. Uh, what a class that was. Anna, Maddie, Jordan, Paige. That, that class, that was a fun class to watch. Uh, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about the other end that you work on. I want to talk about a little bit of journalism. I know you run the school newspaper over there. Uh, remind me what your school newspaper is called at Chinook so High School. The, the newspaper is called The Comet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this past year, because of COVID, we didn't print The Comet because yeah. newspaper stuff, timeliness issues. So we actually started a news magazine called The Octave. Okay. Um, and both of those have been really successful. You know, I've all, anytime, anytime the, uh, the Comet was on my desk, because a lot of times we've printed it at the Parson Sun, so here, 10 feet that way. So uh, anytime I've picked it up and read it, I've always been super impressed with the work that your kids are able to do. I mean, it's better than what my high school did, and we were a high school in the, a Washington, D.C. suburb with 2,000 kids and all the resources in the world in Loudoun County, Virginia, and it, you're outperforming us here. And I, I've always been super impressed. Uh <laughs> Does Loudoun County sound familiar to you at all? You're a teacher. I'm sure you've heard that in controversy lately. I, you know, I'll be honest. I have not kept up on too much. So, so I, I do not want to. We're. I'm going to open a can of worms for two seconds and then just immediately close it. But critical race theory has been really controversial. We're not going to get into that. But there was a really controversial school board meeting in Virginia where the crowd just got completely insane and out of control and it made national news. Well, that was Loudoun County, Virginia. That's where I went to school. So, (laughs) but we're going to close it right back up. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to move right back. We're going to move right back to the topic we were on, which is journalism. Tell me, you know, in an era where, you know, COVID is happening and what people think of the news media is really evolving and really almost unclear. It's, it's very kind of fragmented around society. How do you kind of teach that subject and teach that the course of that profession to high school students? Well, I think the the biggest thing is just understanding the responsibility that comes with being a journalist. Um, the responsibility of, you know, getting the story right, getting uh, multiple sides of the story um, and, and sharing the truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we have a lot of, a lot of stuff out there now that, um, is passing for journalism. That isn't real journalism. It's, it's opinion. Yeah. yeah right. And for the record on both sides yes, of the political uh, absolutely, line, hundred yes. percent. And, and so, um, you know, just getting them to understand what real journalism is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we talk about in our program is there is no subject that is off, off limits as long as we do it right. Good for you. And and so, um, you know, we've had some groups that really have pushed that bar and made things uncomfortable for me <laughs> with our administration. <laughs> love um, it. I but, love it. But I think that's important for them to yeah. understand as journalists that um, if if the story is is out there, no matter how uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. we we need to we need to address it and we need to do it right. All I know is, and let's. Pray to God I don't get fired over this. I've all, I felt like the comment outdoes the Chanute Tribune, which I now work for, by the way. The comment now has outdone the Chanute Tribune. The Pittsburgh student paper has completely outdone the Morning Sun numerous times. I'll never forget the big one that kind of went viral nationally was the Pittsburgh High School student paper 
did a complete vetting of the principal I think they hired to the high school and found out like all the credentials were basically made up. And this guy was getting a job he was completely unqualified for. The Morning Sun never did that. Now, my response to that is the Morning Sun, I believe at the time, was still a daily, and but was being run by like two people. I hope you realize two people do not have the time to vet and run background checks on every single public hire. That's the state of journalism as it is. And I understand that. So that's a defense of the Morning Sun, but at the same time, those Pittsburgh, those Pittsburgh high school journalism kids went after it and got it. And in the face of probably administration and members in the community, I didn't want to see them press the issue. Good for them. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, th- there's some definite uh, advantages to, you know, high school journalism. We're not coming out every day. And, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. tough. You know, I, I, I worked at the the Tribune um, when I was in high school. You did not um, know that. And I, I did some summer internships and stuff like that with them. And so I, I understand the the challenges of coming out with a paper daily, um, and we don't we don't have to worry about that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we, we got a lot of kids that are involved in our journalism program now. Um, I when I started off, um, I, there was three kids signed up for newspaper my very first year when I took it over, <laughs> and I had to go and recruit, and I got it up to ten. Um, we it, it was it was a nightmare. I mean, what was happening before? There was really no. Um, no organization. Well, no, just, yeah. yeah, the, the, the paper wasn't a very high quality and there just wasn't a lot going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those kids that first year really kind of set the foundation. And now I'm going to have close to 40 kids on staff. Oh my goodness. And you know, at a four, a high school, 40 kids, with on only, staff, how many, how many are at your high school? Probably what? 600. Yeah. We got less than 600. Yeah. And so <laughs> I mean, you're going to have about 10, close to 10% of the student body there. And, we'll and, of that. and the, and the kids I've got are, they're, they're high quality kids. I mean, we, we had uh, a couple Ivy league kids just uh, the other couple years ago nice. and you know, um, what we, a flex. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't me, but you know, we, we had a kid who went 36 on the ACT 35 on the ACT and another one 34 in the same class, you know, and those kids are all taking newspaper. And so, you know, when, when you got kids like that on staff, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's pretty special. And so, um, really cool to see how the program's grown. We've won the last three state titles. We've had, uh, about 35 individual state champions over the last 10 years. That's so, so great. Um, yeah. Out of sheer curiosity, who else is, who's finishing second all the years? You've won three state titles. Who, who are some other good programs in the state of Kansas? We, we, this past year, we be, beat Bishop Miege by a point. We actually set the Class 4A state record for points scored and Ooh. needed every one of them because we, we won by a single point. Um, but historically, uh, Kansas City Piper has been, mm-hmm. a, has been a good school. When Hayes has been down in 4A, they've been really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just kind of fluctuates. We've been, b- there's lucky. not many good ones in Southeast Kansas outside of you in Pittsburgh. Honestly, I, I, I mean, would say Humboldt is, is the program probably in the state. Um, yeah, I know Humboldt's really good as well. Um, I, I was fortunate and, and honestly talk about stealing. I did my, <laughs> I did my student teaching at, at Humboldt and, uh, Kim Isbell over there, um, does a great job with them and. I, I totally, you know, nabbed a bunch of great ideas from them to kind of put into use here in Chanute, and it's definitely paid off. Uh, give me your thoughts on the state of local journalism right now and what you feel like people like me can maybe even do better, because I'm sure you, with, I don't know how much you've ever thought about that, but you, you come at it from multiple roles. You're someone who is covered a lot. A lot of times you have to be interviewed, and you're the subject of the coverage to a degree. And, you know, you teach journalism as well. You're under, you understand the industry. What's something you feel like 
someone you know a paper like the Chanute Tribune can do better. You know, I and this is you know as a journalist, I understand it's not your guys' responsibility to necessarily do this, but I think there's a lot of positive things happening in our communities mm-hmm. that maybe people don't know about. And in finding a way, like whether that be like a, a weekly feature or something like that, to start highlighting some of these positive things that these people are kind of doing under the radar. Yeah. Um, because I'm a big believer what gets praised gets repeated. Mm-hmm. And if we can get our local media to start kind of seeking some of those things out, mm-hmm. um, man, I think that could be really good for the uh, the cultures of our, of our communities. And I agree with that. And I want to... For all the journalism purists out there who are going to go, we just cover what happens. I agree, but I feel like the focus needs to, can always be more centered. And, you know, so an iteration of that, when COVID happened and it it was breaking back last March or, you know, in March of 2020 and everything started shutting down, we had to cover, okay, here are the numbers, here are the restrictions, here's why, here's what the path forward looks like, doing all that. And, and, and maybe that coverage is a little grim at times, but then in the city in in the city of Parsons, when it was the Babe Ruth program that was going to be the first sport to return, and there was a lot. Of, I put a lot of coverage on how they were returning. Here's the safety measures they have in place. Here's why they're able to accomplish this. And, and maybe that is a quote unquote positive story. You're right. Sometimes as journalists, it's difficult for me to say what's positive and what's negative because I like to say. What you consider positive is not my problem, or what you consider negative is not my problem. I'm sure people that read about the Parsons girls losing a game, I'm sure the other team loved reading that recap. To that, that was a positive story. <laughs> but I, I agree. There's got to be a focus of, okay, you know, positive or negative, the story should always be looking forward, in my opinion. Now, obviously, there's great journalism out there that dissects history and how it applies to today. In fact, that's probably the best journalism there is out there is being able to put history into the right context. But I agree. I think we can we can always do a better job. Yeah, and like I said, like I, I get it as a journalism teacher. It's not your guys' <laughs> responsibility to be the the PR people and you yeah. know, do puff pieces. Um, but I, I think that positive stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you report what's <laughs> happening and, and finding those things sometimes can be mm-hmm. uh, really beneficial. I'll deny ever saying this, which is hard because I'm on radio right now, but. You know, I, I will do the puff. I know puff pieces buy me credence with the community and with the people I do them on. Sometimes I know I can call I can call people and get them to comment on what may be very very critically tough stories that may not be the kind may not be the most popular in a community, but is important journalism. I know I can get some important comments from people I need to. If hey, I, I did that puff piece a couple months ago. And it makes everybody feel a little better. It, it's about, and that's that's the real world journalism there is. Some people, you know, the the people who graduated with a master's in journalism from Northwestern may scoff at me, but that's just the world we live in now. And well, I, that's life, right? Sometimes you yeah. got to play the game. Yeah. I I always made a joke. I was like, you know, I my coverage cannot be bought for anything less than a milkshake at Brahms. I'm super cheap. <laughs> uh, so. One, the reason I kind of asked you about journalism a little bit was a development in my life, and this is going to sound like a brag, but it's not, although it is. Don't care. Uh, I'm now the managing sports editor of both The Sun and The Tribune, so I'll be directing sports coverage. Uh, right now, my first priority is hiring a new sports editor, Robert Magabet, who did a great job there for about two, three years. Uh, he put in his two weeks. His wife got a job down in Florida, 
So uh, all prop, all kudos to him. Uh, but now, so we're going to get someone new in there. But when it comes to sports coverage and how it can evolve uh, in the, in the Chanute community specifically, you, you can probably give me some insight. What's something I need to be focusing on as I take on that role? I, I would just say that we we have some incredible kids um, mm-hmm. in Chanute. I think we have some some great coaches, and we're excited to have have you on board um seeing the coverage that you guys have done in parsons um and the quality of Mm -hmm. the pieces there um we're excited that that we're gonna have a chance to maybe work with you guys and um you know see see what we can do to to tell those stories chanute high school is easy to cover all your for one all your sports are right on campus you've got tennis high you've got a great basketball gym a turf football field your tennis courts are right there it's not hard to come and see you guys do what you need to do uh, it, it, I always enjoy when I go to Chanute. Uh, for, for whatever reason, the idea of Corey came back. Corey was just a great athlete in every sport she did, wasn't she? Yeah. So I mean, she uh, she played volleyball her freshman year, and it just wasn't her thing. Went out for tennis, never had played it before, and then qualified for state in tennis uh, in singles her sophomore, junior, and senior year. Yep. Um, and then and the only but and by and by the time she was done. The only person she was running in by the time by her junior year, yeah, her no, her senior year. By the time her senior year came, the only person she was coming into in the league that she wasn't better than was Grayson Freeze. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- who was a league champion for two, three years. I mean, Corey manufactured herself into the second best tennis player in the league on a sport she had never played before in a year. That's how. That's how. Good she was, honestly. Yeah, and and then in basketball, she obviously started four years for us. Was all state, was a stud, scored over a thousand points in her career. Um, What did she finish with? Do you have any idea? Uh, one thousand one hundred and twenty-five. Got no one hundred. That is, yeah. And then, um, and then she had not played softball since she was like eight years old, and went out for softball her freshman year. Started at shortstop. Was ended up being an all league uh, player. And, and that too. Um, this year couldn't throw because of her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Moved over to first base. Um, never played it before, and then finished yeah. all league of that too. So I mean, yeah, she's she's a special kid. I want to know if you think uh, Corey's injury was it a, was it a a product of overuse at all? Do you think? And no. I mean, we are no freaking doctors over here, so everything. No, we're doing I, I is... think actually what happened was uh, first game of the year. We she was on a fast break, pitched the ball ahead to her, and the. Pitch head was a little far under the basket, and she reached back to try to get the ball up to the rim. Okay, and when she extended back, it just gotcha. Kind of, kind of got her. I'm uh, curious. Go ahead. And but I mean, what a tough kid. Oh I mean, yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I, I want to get your get your thoughts on this. You know, so a girl like Corey probably never stopped. You know, throw throw the COVID year aside, never stopped doing sports, never stopped competing in anything. And I wonder what the toll that Corey paid with her body was outside of that shoulder injury. I'm sure to a degree, she was always hurting. Well, I think one of the things that probably helped Corey, though, is that she was a multi-sport athlete. And that does and, help. Absolutely. And, and so There's even science though, behind that. Even though she's always doing something, and I can't imagine Corey being happy if she wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but even though she was always doing something, she's working different, different muscle groups. And um, I think that uh, had she only been a basketball player... Um, the chances of her being injured were much higher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and people who specialize, they experience more overuse injuries. And there is absolutely, there's multiple, multiple scientific studies upon that, that, that justify that. I do wonder though, 
And I wrote about this last year. I wrote, so when everything shut down last year, I, I thought to myself, well, when all the kids come back in the summer and the fall, wherever, whenever it may be, they're going to be out of shape as hell, but they're all going to be, should be healthy. Nobody's going to have that hip that's bothering them or that knee that's bothering them unless they had a catastrophic injury before COVID or experienced something during it. But anybody who just sat on their ass for two or three months, you're right, you're out of shape, but you're not hurting anymore. And I, and I sat there and I thought, May, I, I've, I've thought for the last few years that the summer, particularly the summer demands of athletes are just a little too much, particularly on the girls like Corey, who are multi-sport athletes who have to bear a more percentage of the load because we don't see as many kids that want to, you know, quote unquote, the, the disparagement is we don't, the kids don't want to put in the work. Well, I was a good determined little athlete. I was a really good baseball player as a little kid. I wouldn't want to do all that crap in the summer. I mean, it seems like it seems almost overwhelming. I'm sure to some kids and it scares them off. I, I wonder where you sit on that, on that. Yeah. I, I think the, my big thing is I want kids involved in multiple activities. I, I don't want just, basketball players absolutely um and so when it comes to the summer i try to be understanding mm -hmm. uh, of that um we we talk um before the summer about if basketball is your number one here's the things that it would be good for you to do right mm -hmm. if basketball is not your number one here's the kind of the minimum things that we'd like mm -hmm. you to kind of be a part of and and just being understanding of yeah, because I wish basketball was every kid's favorite sport. It's not going to be. But that's not realistic. Yeah, and so good the, for you for acknowledging that. By the way, and, and those kids that you know where basketball maybe is their second or thir third favorite sport, those can still be really valuable kids in our program. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, got to work with them, and it, as long as they're being mm -hmm. active and doing something, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's great. And for one, good for you for acknowledging and. Not necessarily having different standards, but acknowledging that some kids are not going to have basketball as the number one, and so they not they may not be able to meet just the on paper demands you may put forth of them, and so put some baselines in there. Good for you, and th I think that keeps more kids in your program because if if you're holding everybody to the standard of you have to treat this as your first love, some kids just aren't going to love it anymore at that point. Well, and, and every every kid has different goals. You know, mm -hmm. the standards are the same for every kid who wants to be a college basketball player. Yeah. Right. You know, here's the price you need to pay, but not everybody wants to be a college basketball player huh. and, and just understanding that and, and working with those kids and um, helping them to, you know, have a positive <laughs> experience through our basketball team. And yeah. um, hopefully, you know, we, we can help them, you know, you know, I'm a, everything. I, you know, everybody says, oh, only X percentage of kids, you know, make it to college basketball. It's so rare. I hope people realize how rare it is to put on a high school varsity basketball uniform and play two minutes a game how rare of a company that already puts you in yeah. i mean it's, it's it's hard to get to that point to being the reserve role the reserve bench player on a high school varsity team yeah, it takes a lot just to get there for a lot of kids and especially at a program like hopefully you know it's a new we're getting to that point but especially like a program like labette county you know i mean that that's high level basketball yeah, you know, and it, and it's not it's not easy. If you're just putting to, the jersey on at that point, you've done a lot of work to get there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it, it's something that I, I just think that as as adults and as coaches, especially, we we need to be mindful that um, mm -hmm. these kids have lives beyond our programs. Yeah, and sometimes, it's, to me, especially in the summer, there's nothing wrong with that life being for a week or two, sitting at home and playing video games and eating junk food and doing nothing. 
and just enjoy. Now, should that be your life for two months or per, or infinitely like it is mine? No, <laughs> but but you know, you know, I, one time there was a kid who got hurt and in a basketball camp a week after they had competed at state track, and it was in a summer. And I'm like, why are they there? Like, why were why were they going full speed at a basketball camp a week after state track? To me, if I was Keisha or if I was any AD. I don't care what anybody's allowing me to do. I'm telling my I'm telling my school, okay, two weeks a, two weeks after state track, maybe a week after state track, because I understand most people are pretty much done, have been done for about maybe two weeks at that point. But week after state track, we're locking the doors. You're not even allowed to be in here. And yeah. and and I think that that idea of of kind of refueling is important. Yes. Um, and and I think. Kids need to be honest with themselves about that too, though. Do they need mm-hmm. to refuel, or are they just, you know, wanting to be a bum today? You know? <laughs> and and th- there, there's both of those mm-hmm. things going on. And but when when you listen to your body, you yeah. know, and when you need it, take it. And one thing that Bruce Weber always, one thing Bruce Weber said, like one of his very first speeches, I think it was literally his very first practice he ran at K State. So this would have been like in April when he took over. Uh, he goes. Uh, the best players in the world give their absolute best and show up at their best 19 out of 20 times. Nobody's perfect, and that's not what I'm going to ask of you, and I'm going to give you that leash. And to me, that that has always stuck with me to this day because even I, just as a manager, now as a person in life, I realize, okay, I can be imperfect and still be, you know, be great, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I And... I think that's a great message, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, not not the biggest K-State or Bruce Weber fan, but that's a great message. <laughs> One th- another thing, it wasn't necessarily that Bruce Weber didn't say it, but he brought in this motivational speaker to talk one time. And one thing that, this sounds juvenile, but it makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I will tell any coach this. This motivational speaker came in and talked about hype levels. Again, sounds juvenile. It doesn't sound like, oh, wow, you got a master's degree to talk about hype levels. But... Uh, they came in and they said, you know, pick a number between one and 10 at where you feel like you're performing at your best with regards to how emotional and how hyped you are, how excited you get. And it doesn't matter what your number is. You can be a two or you can be a nine. But if you're a two, be a two. Don't be a three and don't be a one. If you're a nine, that's fine. Don't be a 10 and don't be an eight. It's when you start deviating from where you're at that's where you that's where you get malfunctions in your game yeah and go ahead well just being being mindful that every kid's different i I, like it kind of takes me back to that jim calhoun quote the least fair thing you can do is treat every kid the same absolutely right and like it's not necessarily that we have different standards but i i I gotta understand that each kid i'm gonna i'm gonna treat each kid you know according to their situation you you hold the same standards but what those how those standards iterate may you know morphs yeah. based on the based on other variables absolutely and and getting getting to the point where you you get to understand what's going on in a kid's life so that you can not just see the result but why is that result happening mm-hmm. right i think that's what's really important for us as coaches um and you know that that's it's a lot of work it's a lot of investment and it's easier just to be like why well, have this set standard and <laughs> everybody meets it but that's that's not reality. I don't think. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's what's best for kids. And the best coaches will never be like that. I mean, 
I, I've never seen a good coach just hold equal standards across the board to everybody. No way. Uh, anything else on your mind, or, or or what else is you know? All right, so you guys are very young coming up this year for for Shanu. You got a young. You graduated three seniors. You're going to be very young coming up, and you know we see what the county's bringing back. Parsons is going. I think Parsons is going to be a little bit a little spicy this year. I watched them play uh, Colgan and Cherryville in a summer game. Now it's summer. Every grain of salt you can ever possibly throw at has to be thrown at anybody's reaction to a summer game. But they played Colgan and were tied with them through three quarters before Colgan ended up running away. Just so you know, St. Mary's Colgan played for a state title last year. Yeah, and he's we, bringing we, the house back from that team. Yeah, we we uh, actually played Colgan over at Pitt State team camp, and they smashed us. So, and I mean, uh, they're 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 good. They they've got like two six foot girls that can just gazelle up and down the court. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, so we're like like you said, we're we're gonna we lost a lot. We Corey graduated, and then uh, Madeline Craner was an all league basketball player for this past year. She graduated, and then Bree Wagner, who is our best three point shooter this past year, graduated. Um, and then Jason Catron, uh, another starter for us. Her mom got a job down in Oklahoma, and so she's going down there for her senior year. Um, so I would say we're probably gonna play about ninety nine percent sophomores and a couple juniors. And, you mm-hmm. know, it'll it'll be one of those years where, you know, kids are going to have to maybe adjust on the fly and figure stuff out. I would imagine, though, you've talked about how much development you want with your program over the uh, over the years. That's got to be. Th- that's got to be put to the test right now. Yeah. How much all your youth development, all your efforts, it's time for it to pay off. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, and mm-hmm. every kid, every kid uh, kind of develops at their own pace. I mean, there's some kids that are ready when they're freshmen to step mm-hmm. in and, and go. And there's other kids that even if they have the talent, just it takes them a little bit of time to kind of kind of feel things out and get mm-hmm. comfortable and understand stuff. So um, I, I think that we have some talent. I think that we have some ability. Um, I, I, we have a deep sophomore class, and I really like those kids. They work hard. Um uh, but it may take them a little time to figure it out, and if it does, it does. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna focus on competing. We're gonna focus on controlling what we control. You know, all those great coach cliches, <laughs> and uh, that that are so true though. There's, yeah. there's a reason they're cliche, and um, cliches become cliche because they're. I'm trying to remember. This was a, a quote I literally heard in a show that Seth MacFarlane is in, <laughs> the Orville. But I mean, cliches become cliche because their message and value is worth endless repetition. Yeah. And that makes total sense. And so that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, we've come a long way since the beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure we were able to, even going to be able to score at the beginning of the summer <laughs> um, because everybody was used to deferring to Corey. <laughs> and so we we had kids. Damn, that, I haven't gotten a shot in 30 seconds. Well, yeah. Time to get the ball on the court and yeah. stand there and watch. <laughs> well, and, and just like Corey can make things happen for so many yeah. people. And we kind of became reliant on that. And when all of a sudden she's gone and kids are kind of waiting around for somebody else to make the play. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you, you got to go make it. And so, um, that was an adjustment, but you know, as the summer went on, we got better and better. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how good we'll be, but, um, I know we're going to have great kids who are going to work hard and compete. And, uh, hopefully that'll be enough for us to have a chance. Let's take Chanute out of the equation. Uh, give I understand it's early. We don't know who's going to be what and where, but how do you think the league shakes up this year? Let's give me your quick poll real quick. Well, of the of the teams I know, I mean, Labette County has to be picked number one. They they return, won it last year. They won it last the year. They returned pretty much everybody. Yeah, they're huge still, you know. <laughs> um, and they got Coach Snyder, 
So yeah. they're, they're one. Uh, I think you're right. I think Parsons is going to be much improved. Um, Coach Shivey does a great job over there. Um, his daughter can play. Yes. Uh, and the biggest thing for them and is they they need a true point guard in there right now. They they need a point guard who can who can handle the ball because Sydney Shivey is a great shooter. But if you're asking her to initiate the offense and hunt her shot and facilitate, that's very few people in the world can do all of that, even at the highest levels. To and to that, she was asked to do that a lot as a freshman. And, and you know, I wonder if we were getting if Parsons was getting the most out of her. Uh, but she has a strong supporting. She has a stronger supporting cast around her. That Anaya Hinman girl, I I think is going to be. She's going to be a problem. Let's just, let's yeah. just say it. She's going to be a stud. Like, yeah, I saw her play in eighth grade, and I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, like she's she was nice then. So um, no, they're they're going to be they're going to be so much improved to where from where they've been the last couple years, and uh, I, I think they have a chance to be really good. Um, Fort Scott, um, I just—I've heard I, they're really—they've really taken some steps forward. I, I and I just have so much respect for Coach Steps. I oh think, yeah, I think he's one of the best of the best, um, mm-hmm. and that guy finds ways to to get his kids to compete. Yeah. Um, and I, very rarely do I see them just get completely blown out, even if they don't have a necessarily the most talent. That you you have to go and beat them. Yep. Yeah, and he, he's going to have mm-hmm. something schemed up to to make it tough and. Um, he'll make adjustments throughout the game, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a former college coach. I sense. love how he manages a game, particularly with his timeouts. Is let's say you go on a quick, you know, four six zero run timeout. Great, he's going to come out with some adjustment to that, and now I got to counter that again. I mean, it, it's tough to find a rhythm against him. He, yeah. he d- there's two coaches I would not want to coach against if I had like the better team that was su- totally supposed to win that game. It's Max Rourke and uh, Steps. Yeah, no, no doubt, Max. Please, what, what he beats an undefeated Independence team at Substate. He beats Bishop Meage at Substate. Man, don't please don't make me coach against Max Rourke if I have a good team that's supposed to do something. Like, please don't make me do it. Yeah, Matt, and what a what a great human being he is mm-hmm. too. A good friend of mine, and uh, just, he's still in the Chanute area, right? Yeah, he, absolutely. Yeah. He he actually stepped aside. His his kids um, were getting older, and he just wanted to he be wanted with to, family, he wanted yeah. to be able to coach them and, and do some stuff with them. And so he's actually coaching seventh grade basketball in Chanute. Oh, good. And for him. Uh, he still gets to coach, and but it's half the season, half the length. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about the film or anything like that, and go scouting. And so he's able to spend time with his kids, coach them. I'll um, tell you what, the Chanute boys, you, you could. It's very possible that we could have. Both programs finished in the top two of the league this year at Chanute High School. Uh, I, I see that as a very real possibility. I know you're going to say, oh, we're so young. We're going to we're gonna scrap not to finish last. That's what every coach says. That's Christy Satter will tell me too. But but I, I know that I know you guys are at least going to be a competitive team because I know the type of program you run. So we're, we're going to try to be competitive. See, <laughs> yeah. see, you can't never gets off brand, never yeah. breaks off, never breaks off. He's yeah. a, he's a journalism teacher who's trained in PR. Never get off message. <laughs> uh, going back to the league, independence. Yeah. Uh, you know, always tough. They, never... they return one of the best players in the league. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and so I, I think that they'll be tough. I'll tell you, a team I felt bad for last year was Pittsburgh, simply because oh. you had the girl uh, Madden Petty, Petty who uh, I don't know how public the story is, but to my understanding, she suffered an injury just sledding. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where it's like, 
And, and people are going to say, well, why was she sledding in the middle of basketball season? Why would you risk that? I'd have been out there sledding as a kid. I don't care who I am, like, who you are. Like, kids are going to be, it's not, it's not even kids being kids. That's just, that's normal to yeah. go sledding when it snows. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not something you can be mad at. It's just unfortunate. And, they were playing very well at that point, and that Madden wasn't their only injury. By the way, they had a they had another starter or two get injured, and so right at I think their their first game playing with a very revamped lineup was at Labette County. Their only answer was to be you know physical as hell, and if they weren't going to win because they couldn't score the ball, they were going to make like life miserable for you. And I bet you you experienced that at one point last year too. Yeah, well they they got us the second time I think we played them mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're big too. With that, they were big. Girl yeah. inside, but you know, uh, Ella, what was her last Hendrickson. name? Hendrickson. And she was a good player. Great, great hands. Yeah, good feet. Um, and so th- they'll miss Madden. They'll miss Hendrickson. Um, but I think, you know, it's they're a five A school. They they should have some kids. Yeah. I, I don't know what all they have, but um, I would surely they're not going to fall off the map. Yeah. Um, we saw Coffeeville this summer, and they're they have a new coach, right? Uh. Coach Walker's still there. Okay. Um, but the boys have a new coach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But she's doing a great job with that program and mm-hmm. um, just making They're some... way, They were way more competitive last exactly. year. They're exactly. They were way more competitive. She, she's got them, you know, playing harder. You can and, tell that Coach Walker wants... She wants them... She wants to be there and wants to do the job to improve Coffeyville basketball. They haven't been good since that... You know... One of the, I think one of the best girls basketball coaches in this area, who I don't know where he's at anymore, but you were his colleague for a little bit, was Eric Clayton. He was a great coach over there at Coffeyville. Moves over to Pittsburgh and takes the job at Pittsburgh. Does a good job over there, and then he was your AD for a little bit. He was a good coach, and he was the last, the last time Coffeyville girls had any lick of success, he was the one over there doing it. So story about Coffeyville there, I think you'll like this too. Um, so sub-state championship game, uh, Anna Bagshaw and that group sophomore year. Yeah. Um, we're playing Coffeyville at our place uh, for a sub-state title. We, we were actually the lower seed, but um, we were hosting that year. And so we had been down by as much as like 12, mm-hmm. um, down seven most of the game. We cut it to three with just like three minutes left in this game. And Flayton calls timeout. And I tell my girls, I was like, all right, they're going to run this little high screen and roll action. Uh, and I told my my senior point guard, I want you to get on her right hip, force uh, Devin Cosper. This is Devin Cosper. Yeah. Devin Cosper. Stud. Yeah. Right. Went on to Arkansas. So I was like, force, force Cosper to the left. Um, and then Anna, you know, I want mm-hmm. you in help here. She's not going to pass it. She's going to shoot this little floater because that's what she does when she goes left. Be there. Take the charge. We're going to get the ball back. We're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And my girls execute it perfectly. I, I I swear, like if you had yeah, con- you- like the concrete would have set around Anna's feet if if you had <laughs> put concrete down. Like that's how long she was there. <laughs> Takes this charge perfectly, and the dude from half court, the ref at half court for some reason, like boom, instead of doing the charge, calls her for the block, oh. and uh, and the shot went in. So instead of oh, yeah, the shot went and in. So instead of being down by three with the ball, which and it would have been Cosper's fifth foul, she would have been out of the game. We were down by six, and like, and, she, and all and, the moment, and she has all the momentum yeah, feeling good and about so, herself. Now. And they, they end up winning the game, and like, I, I honestly, I never got over that. I had it on my that video clip on my phone for like years and years <laughs> and years. So this is the good part of the story. So I went down to Arkansas to watch uh, Coach Neighbors' practice, mm-hmm. and Devin was a senior there, 
Yeah. And so Devin recognized me after practice was over and I was talking to her and I was like, Hey, before I go, I, I gotta, I gotta know. <laughs> and I pull up the clip and I was like, this is charge, right? And, she, and she, she's like, coach, why do you have that? Why do you still have that? Cause then um, we're talking, you know, four or five, four or five years, years, years later, at that yeah. point. And she's like, why is this? Still? And I was like, Devin, I'll be honest. I still haven't gotten over it. <laughs> there's there's yeah. moments you don't get yeah. over, you know, so, Another iteration, Erica Gartner was on my show. A, 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 she's been on it multiple times, so I can't remember which time she told me this, but she, her last game in high school was lost on a half-court buzzer beater at State in a third-place game. Uh, and the sequence that happened was that she they were tied with Wellington. Yeah, Wellington. They were tied with Wellington. And Lebet County had the ball coming out of a timeout with about 12 seconds left. And she went way too early and put up a terrible shot with about eight or seven seconds left. And Wellington pulls down the rebound, rushes up the court and hits this half court buzzer beater. And Erica comes back. At, so this, this had to have been like five years later. She was still coaching. Cause I remember she came in to talk about her, how she's coaching at MG state now. And she just randomly brings up, you know, I'll never, you know, the fact that she rushed that one possession and you, it, 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 there are moments like that that just stick with you forever. And I think the true pain of it is you don't get over it. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, no, no, you, you, you keep don't. it on your, you keep it on your phone for five years afterwards. Or you, What'd she say after? <laughs> oh, she, she's just like, she was like shaking her head and laughing at me. And she's, mm-hmm. like, she's like, that was definitely a block. Definitely block. De- I was like, <laughs> She knew. She knew when she saw it. She knew. Do does the ref that make that call? Does he? Do you still see him or her I, frequently? I'm probably too much for my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I think you and I might know who it is. I think I might know who it is now. We're not going to say the name on air, yeah. but just saying that name I, narrows the scope down. I'm, I'm sure he's a. I'm sure he's a great guy. You know, just, <laughs> some things you just have trouble getting over. Oh my goodness! I it, like I said, I've I've watched you play some wars over the years. You know, and you've come out on top of it a few times too. You beat that Parsons scene that had Nina Taylor. I'll say, I'll say this: as good as Tristan Gegg was, and she's the all-time leading scorer in league history, boys or girls, the only person to ever score over two thousand points. Nobody's taking that from her. You want to ask me who the best player in SDK league history is? My answer is Tristan Gegg. But who do I think was maybe the better basketball player? Do I just a little bit? It's probably Nina Taylor over there at Parsons. I, she was... I think Nina's a better athlete. Yes. Um, but, man, Tristan... Tristan's shot never... You can't You can't teach that. Tristan... Well, and just... She she contributed in so many ways. It wasn't just her shooting. No. Um, you know, she had that great floater game. Uh, defensively, she was quick. Got a lot of steals. Got out oh, and yeah. in transition. Um, was a solid, you know, on-ball defender. I mean, like, she, she was... She was the real deal. Like, she's probably the one kid... Um, that probably a third of her points were transition layups where she just beat you down the court. Yeah. Um, and, and she's that one kid that like, again, I, I should, I should have all this animosity towards her and I should despise her, but I absolutely <laughs> love her. Um, you know, cause she's, she's an amazing kid, amazing human being. Um, the nicest person you'll find off the court, but on the court, she knew who she was. Oh yeah. You know, and she knew. She knew who she was, and she was going to go out and be that kid. Anna Bagshaw night. was that type of person, too, by the way. Anna Bagshaw played with a lot of fire and brimstone from what I saw. Uh, 
And like, you know, we, we've been talking about philosophy a little bit. You can be a successful player and exhibit different personalities. We saw the Anna Bagshaws and the Erica Gartners of the world play fire and brimstone. Paige Kidwell was looked like a field mouse out there sometimes. You know, I didn't see her express too much emotion, at least on the court. You, you said she was pissy Paige. That's funny. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, she's everybody can be different. And to me, that's what I love about basketball and, and athletics in general is, you know, you get a lot of different personalities in there. You got to find a way to make it work. You know, most businesses you'll see in the, these days, the, the supervisor is going to hire like-minded people just to make it easier on them. And there's value in that. There's value in making it your job easier because you probably get a little better at your job. You're a little more efficient, but you're a high school coach. You got to take what you get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just going back, you know, you talked about coach Snyder saying something to Corey and, you know, the, the respect I have for, you know, the Erica Gardner's and the, the Tristan Gags and honestly the all the Sorrel girls. I mean, what what hard what work a family. And, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, every single one of those kids just busted their butt, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I think that's one of the things that makes the SEK special though is that we do have that respect yeah. uh, for one another and um willing to acknowledge, you know, mm-hmm. those those players that even if they light us up, we still appreciate them. I don't know any boys or girls side, I don't know any coaching rivalries where one or two coaches just hate each other so much that the, that it's like almost unworkable that you have to keep them separated. I mean, maybe I'm just not in tune enough, but I'm sure, you know, nobody's going to like everybody, but to my, to my knowledge, you know, for the most part, everybody at least coexists within that league. Yeah. I, I think on the girl side, especially, I, mm-hmm. it seems really tight. Yeah. Um, at least in, in my experience, I, I love coach mm-hmm. Snyder. Um, she was, the. Uh, we had the player pass away. Carly Allman passed away in um, 2015. And Coach Snyder was the first one to reach out to me um, and, mm-hmm. you know, called me up and was asking how I was doing. And just, um, you know, she gets this kind of reputation as being kind of gruff and tough. And She has a hard-ass reputation. She's really a softie if you get but, to know her a little bit. Um, I, I just, I think the world of her. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then you got Coach Steps and, um, mm-hmm. you know, him and I, we, we go way back to coaching freshman boys basketball against each other and <laughs> had some battles back then. And just, um, a lot of respect for each other there. Coach Shibe, um, was when my first year of coaching, he was coaching Parsons then. Yeah. This and, is the second stint coaching Parsons. Yeah, he, and he won a league at one point. Yeah. There. And, and he was great. My first year, just really kind of uh, helping me out, showing me the ropes and stuff. Um, you know, coach Reynolds isn't at Indy anymore, but, uh, I, I still talk to him and, and mm-hmm. communicate with him. And so it's just kind of special to have have those bonds within the coaching family, even even though you're going to war against each other. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think that'll that'll do it. Uh, Coach Fox, thank you for coming on. I love bringing people in that, I ha- that haven't been on the show before. You know, we've been doing this for about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, anytime I get a chance to catch up with you, anytime I see you at a game, you know, I, whenever I'm deciding where I'm going to go, there is a genuine part of me that has always felt, oh, I could go watch Chanu and I can go see, I can go see Coach Fox. I love watching this, pro- love watching your program, love watching those games. I know a lot of it's been Labette County and Chanute girls, and you say you've, you you fell on the sword. I know of a lot of them. I, I, I'm sure you're right, but to me, I've always loved watching those games. I know it's a war every single time you guys are out there, and so uh, thank you for coming on and. You have an open invitation to this place, by the way. Anytime you got some, you got something on your nose that you want to get off the grindstone, we'll we'll, we'll we'll come in on the war room and talk about it. Sounds great, Sean. I appreciate it. Lots of fun. Hey, good luck. Good luck this winter too. I know you. Uh, you're gonna preach that it's a rebuild project. I know. To, I'm sure for you, it's a reload, not necessarily a rebuild. We'll do our best, <laughs> as as they'll say. 
All right, that'll do it here on the War Room. Uh, thanks to Coach Fox, Dustin Fox, your new high school girls basketball coach, uh, for coming in. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody, continue to stay safe, and God bless.